Elliot Goldstein is hosting a radio and podcast show out of New Mexico called NMDJ Presents Fly on the Wall. We are building a fresh, fabulous podcast library of musicians, writers, artists, and all good people of note, with many new and exciting guests to come. We are listener-funded. If you would like to assist our Venmo info is New Mexico DJ service. The PayPal info is New Mexico DJ service at gmail.com. We appreciate your help. We would like to thank Alan Gower for the intro music. Enjoyed the show. Hey guys, thank you for listening to Fly on the Wall podcast. I'd like to tell you how I got started. Um, I really had no idea on um, the beginnings of what had even where to start. And I stumbled upon Anchor by Spotify. And it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. And I'll explain. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. And um, when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast automatically on listening platforms. I'm on Spotify. I'm on Apple Podcasts. I'm on other uh, platforms. And it, Anchor made it so simple. And um, it's all in one place. Everything you need to make a podcast, you can find in one place. And um, the amazing part is it's all free. So um, there is no uh, downside to any of this. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's Anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R. And again, it's the Anchor app or anchor.fm. And it's real easy to get started. And um, thank you for listening to Fly on the Wall and uh, back to the show. Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Not Your Mother's Radio is listener-funded. If you wish to assist and help keep the station active, funds can be sent via PayPal to Elliot. Is. Not. Your. Mother. At. Gmail.com. Remember, there is only one L and one T in Elliot. Thank you for your assistance. It is appreciated. Medicine Head was a British blues rock band. Initially a duo that was active in the 1970s. Their biggest single success was in 1973, with One and One is One, a number three hit on the UK singles chart. The group recorded six original albums, the opening trio of which were on John Peel's Dandelion label. For most of its career, the group was a duo comprising John Fiddler and Peter Hope Evans. At various stages, the band used the following musicians, Lawrence Archer, Clive Edwards, Keith Relf, T. 
Tony Ashton, Roger Saunders, George Ford, John Davis, Rob Townsend, and Morgan Fisher. Fiddler was a member of British Lions and Box of Frogs, and has released solo material including a 1995 album, Return of the Buffalo. We will also be listening to John's new Medicine Head single, Warrior of Love. He has occasionally revived the Medicine Head name, to tour a show of their hits. John and Elliot will be with us right after this tune. This one is Rising Sun from the Medicine Head Library. Enjoy the show.
constant bliss The rising sun Is everybody ready? Elliot, are you ready? Are the recorders on? Have your coffee? Buckle up. Here we go. We, um... Okay, I'd like to introduce everybody to our guest today, and uh, Mr. John Fiddler, who um, first came to the attention of the music uh, world with a, a little band called Medicine Head. And uh, Medicine Head was started out as a two-piece outfit, and um, the great John Peel was one of your major backers, right? John was was incredibly um, important for us. Uh, what happened was we... We, when we first started, we used to knock on doors and just gate crash clubs yes. and to play. And we knew that John was playing at this club, and I think Jethro Tull were the, were the main act. So we arrived early and said we were Jethro Tull, <laughs> and they let us in, you know. And so we had our little bit of equipment in there. Because when Jethro Tull arrived, they said, "Well, you know, who, the, who are you?" And mm. I, I persuaded them to let us play because we wanted John to see us and he did see us for about five minutes and he said send us a tape and so we, we scrambled together a, a tape really lo-fi which uh, fortunately John Lennon heard right? John oh. and Yoko and uh, Pete Townsend and Eric Clapton and all these people loved it and they you know I mean it's it's, it's really lo-fi and it's but it's like it's got a spirit on it, Elliot. That's that's quite sort of special, uh -huh. and that's what Lennon picked up on. And he said to John, "You've got a who had just started his label, actually, Dandelion Records." Yes. And John Lennon said, "You have to put this out just as it is, and sign them up to your label." And that's what happened. Okay, and um, and it did come out on Dandelion Records, and according to Mr. Peel, it was the um, most inexpensive single ever made, and yeah, well, it cost nothing really. Yeah, so we we recorded it on some. I think it was a Grundig. Yeah, a yeah. Grundig tape recorder just in the kitchen, you know, uh, and that was it. So I think notoriously they're called not the notorious kitchen tapes. Right, and um, um, uh, Peel described it as the cheapest single ever made in one of the classic records of all time. I'd not be losing 
ashes and sackcloth made me weak and lean. Now they're down in dust cause they kept my mother clean. When I cast my face on the water, holding my heart in my And that's a quote. <laughs> he was very generous. And, I mean, he, he was wonderful, John. I, he uh, he would take us to places where he was playing, you know, DJing and, yes. and you know the kind of uh, gig that he did. And he would sort of suggest to the promoters that they'd let me and Peter Pope Evans play, you know, as medicine head, and uh, and they invariably said yeah you know mm -hmm. would pay us john would pay us out of his own money out of his fee wow uh sometimes he'd even drive us there and drive us back you know he was a magnificent guy he was really one of the um last great lovers of music who really loved it just for being music yeah i mean he did everything he could to encourage people to be themselves uh -huh. basically and i think that's why i like what we did because we were we weren't aware that we were but we, we seemed to be quite unique um, in as much as, uh, you know I used to play a bass drum a hi-hat guitar um, and sometimes harmonica uh -huh. um, Peter played harmonica Jews harp uh -huh. and 
um, bits of bits of kind of wood and string, <laughs> all kinds of stuff, you know, to make a noise with. Right, right. Um, but the feeling that we presented to people was uh, was quite. I think it was quite special. So many people. Yeah. Um, you know, they constantly lived with that. You know, so it's wonderful. Right. So um, you and Peter Hope Evans have been were, um, met very, very young, right? You guys were in uh, in school when you met, right? Yeah. Elementary school. We met at, at school. We were 13 years old. I don't yeah. know what that is. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, um, so you go way back and you guys kind of nurtured your musical careers together and... Um, you, you, uh, your first album was New Bottles, Old Medicine. That's right. Which, yes. um, would you consider that, um, like a Canterbury scene album or did it have flavors of that? Canterbury? Yeah, you know, that, uh, like Kevin Ayers type, um, uh, um, no. you know, like folksy, so, more folksy and, um, trippy psychedelia. No, no, it was basically. Everything that is based in the blues uh-huh. all came from the blues, you know. It's yeah. like when Peter and I first met, I I noticed this this kid, and he had a harmonica sticking up out of his pocket, uh-huh. uh, coat pocket, and I had one as well. And so I, put, you know, I, we just started playing harmonica. Yeah. At school, I think he met in the first day of school where wow. I'd never met him before. Uh-huh. Um, but no, it was nothing like that. It was all from the blues, everything we listened to, blues music. And obviously, you know, psychedelia came in, but we weren't doing that. We were spiritually involved, but right. I wouldn't call it anything near psychedelia. Okay. And um, it, that whole album took you two hours to uh, record? It was just as long. Yeah, Elliot. All we did, we knew nothing about recording. John Peel was producing, and he... He knew nothing about recording, <laughs> um, but he just, you know, we just created a good feeling in the in the uh, in the studio, and John was there smiling everywhere, you know. Yeah. All we did was set up our equipment, and including the PA system, right. and the engineer mic'd everything up so that, you know, my voice was recorded through our PA system, well, wow. through a fancy Neumann. 47 or 87 sure. wonderful microphone. They put those on our PA system, which is a scrappy little yeah. Vox 100 PA. Oh, so wow. we just played a gig, and that was it. Well, and it's a great album. We're going to get to it later, too. We'll get um, we'll make sure we listen to uh, that album. And, um, uh, and like you said a little earlier, John paid you out of his own funds. He... Um, he was very, very uh, supportive of, of the two of you. And um, your second album, which was recorded by the Yardbirds' Keith Rilf, was heavy on the drum. And um, right. a- and the single from that was And the Pictures in the Sky, which is a great, great tune. And, Actually, um, yeah. I, don't, I don't think it was on the album, because at the time we didn't like the idea of putting a single on an album right. making people pay twice for it you know right right
So it wasn't actually on the on the album. Okay, it it, the it, yeah, it is on the CD issue now. So um, yeah, yeah, later on it was put on. Yeah. So um, and and um, so pictures in the sky, and that kind of gave you guys some traction. That 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 was a pretty uh, that rose pretty big on the charts. It was good. It, it yeah. was and a massive surprise. You know, I wrote that song in the, in the dressing room just before we went on stage at some place. Uh-huh. in the Midlands and we played it that night and we couldn't the, the crowd wouldn't let us stop playing it they called for it I don't know about four or five times uh-huh. wouldn't let us stop playing it so we we knew there was something going on with that song um, but the uh, we were introduced to Keith Ralph who just left Renaissance or Renaissance yes um, and of course, I love the Yardbirds. You know, I yeah. mean, that was there's some great psychedelia there. You know, yes. um, and of course, later on, we'll, we might even touch on this. I, I did join up with them. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah, you were also on uh, Box of Frogs. Yeah, yeah, um, but Keith, you know, Keith was uh, Keith became a really good friend of mine. Um, he even moved his family and lived next door. Oh well, and. Um, you know, we and actually played bass for a while in Medicine Hat. Um, oh. And um, you know, Keith Phelps is one of those guys who um, uh, the Yardbirds were um, a lot bigger on your side than than, than in America. But um, I mean, I'm a big Yardbirds fan, and anybody who was into really, really rock and roll—you know, not rock and roll—but into, into rock music uh, knew about the Yardbirds. Yeah. 
you know, at, later on they got, you know, once you realized who the guitar players were and everything else. But Keith Relf is one of those unsung heroes who brought so much right. to music and just kind of, um, Nobody really knows everything that he's attributed uh, to. People don't know, don't realize that he's the guy who did start Renaissance. Yeah, well, him and Jim McCarty. Yeah, yeah. Um, they uh, and also Keith's sister. Yeah, Keith's sister. Avery. Yep. Um, and I think it was John Hawkins from the Nashville Teens. Uh huh. And and Louis Sonoma on bass. Yeah, I mean, Keith started that. Uh, that whole thing yeah and I think Renaissance it morphed into a different band altogether right Jim left. yeah and yeah. Uh, just the Yardbirds um, if he did nothing else just just the schooling that the Yardbirds provided for those great guitarists you know Clapton Page Beck um, that would have been enough and he, he just doesn't get the credit that he really deserves I don't think he told me a great story once uh huh which was um, they were waiting for a plane to send that board. And along came Frank Zappa. Oh, okay. And Frank stopped to talk to Keith. Biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. 
Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage, egg, and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage, egg, and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Um, yeah, Keith told me a, yeah. told me a really cool little story uh, when they were when he was waiting for a play. Airport somewhere. Frank Zappa, and Frank said um, to Keith, "How does it feel? How do you feel knowing that um, you're the guys who started it all? Me, yeah. you know, rock." And um, I think Keith was a very kind of modest and humble guy and he, he sort of didn't know what to say to Frank you know yeah yeah <laughs> Frank was in awe of Keith and Keith was in awe of Frank <laughs> and, and and it took a lot for uh, somebody like Frank Zapp you know was you know Frank Zapper to uh, uh, really give anybody any kind of credit because he was you know that's the type of guy he was if he said something to Keith he really meant it yeah absolutely yeah so uh, beautiful thing but Keith Knowing Keith, you know, he was such a, um, a humble man. He was very, very kind of, I don't know, very thoughtful. Yes, very and you don't hear a lot about him, you know, uh, when people talk about the Yardbirds, right away they zoom in on the guitar players. They don't really That's right. talk yeah. about the rest of the guys. There's a, there's a book out, there's a, new, there's a book on Keith, basically about Keith Realm. Um, I think it's by a guy named David French. Uh-huh. Have you heard of that? Yes. Right, okay. Yes. So I think that's the first book that's been dedicated to Keith. Um, and it's pretty good, you know, it's a good book. Yeah. But yeah, it's all about, it's all about Eric and Jeff and Jimmy. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, you know, again, he, he, you know, say it again, he's got, um, passed over when, it, when the accolades are being handed out and he really should be up there with the, with, with the best of them yeah well it was a, it was a definite melting pot that yes that yes incredible. okay and then you um, 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 when you were working with um, Medicine Head did you um, was it a self-conscious thing to um, keep it relatively simple you know, you, um, you never got into overproduction, yeah. and, and you know what I'm saying. You, you, you guys get the same um, type of uh, um, style throughout the whole Medicine Head collection, pretty much. Well, I'm a believer in, in uh, you know, a lot of people say less is more. Uh-huh. You know, I, I'm a great believer in in not overloading if you can help it. You know, I like like one of my biggest influences in my life, including for any kind of musical. Endeavor is a, is an artist named Brank Husey. He's a, a Romanian, I think, Romanian sculptor. Okay. He's known mostly for his sculpture, but 
he was an incredible artist and he made some of the most simple statements and I, I just love that and it, it really influenced me through uh, you know throughout my life right um, yes I, I, it's a deliberate thing to uh-huh. keep things because uh, it's uh, you know it's really beautiful and and it kind of um you know it kind of brings you back the to feeling, a, the, the feeling is the primary thing you yeah know, get the feeling right you know and everything else follows really. yeah yeah it's a whole tranquil it's a whole tranquil experience listening to uh, the band and um it never changed it was always like a bluesy rock band with a um subtle with a subtle kick to it it was interesting because uh, when we played especially in london um, a lot of uh, people would come along and they'd, they'd want to jump up on stage and play. You know, people like uh, Boz Burrell. Do you remember Boz from oh, yeah. Company? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Bad Company, sure. King Crimson. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and uh, Ian... Oh, Ian... God, I can't remember his name. Drummer. Oh, um, yeah. Um, Ian... Uh, uh, I know who you mean. He was with Dylan for about 20 years yeah. or something. And him and Boz, they always wanted to get up and play because uh, they just loved the simplicity of it and the, and also the complexity of it because it is quite difficult being <laughs> simple. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's quite a complex affair, you know. Right. Because a lot of people want to fill in every space. We want to he, want to he, fill out. Ian Wallace, right? Ian Wallace. Yeah. How, how could I forget him? Yeah. Yeah. Ian, um, in fact, I've got some tapes of... Ian, Keith Ralph, myself, and Peter Albert, um recording. Uh, we, we used to rehearse down this place on the south coast of England, and uh, Ian came down with uh, with us. And yeah, I, you know, I think shortly after that, Ian got recruited into one of the big, bigger things, you know, like yep. Bob Dylan or something yep. like yep. that. Yep. Yep. Um, so anyway, I mean, he was an incredible drummer just outrageous and Boz was again fantastic yeah but uh, we were in a, we were in a really nice place actually Elliot because you know people like that very very much interested in us and you know Phil Collins he's notoriously uh, said that if, if he hadn't been in Genesis he wanted to be in medicine yet. well that's a pretty good uh, that's pretty cool yeah yeah, that's uh, really cool. Yeah, it, was, it was great. I mean, we we used to get letters and communications via John Peel from, like, Nico from Velvet Underground. Sure. Uh, just, it was just wonderful, you know, that, that sort of, it was a very powerful moment, very powerful time. Yeah. And um, John Peel was, uh, was on your site throughout the entire um, uh during that whole band's career, right? You guys, you and him worked together pretty close. Right up to the to his death, you know. Yeah. He's got this very famous box of 50 singles. Yes. And we're the only band that has two. Yep, yep, yep. I have that, uh, I have that box somewhere. And um, um, what a great, great uh, guy to have on your side. He really, he, again, I, I mean, he... Everybody knows John Peel's name because any CD you pick up is always something with a John Peel session on it. But I don't think people realize again uh, 
um, how important he was to the whole UK music scene. He was it pretty much, right? Well, John, he wasn't um, prejudi- prejudicial, or you know, he didn't yeah. sort of uh, he didn't say, "Oh, they're a pop band, so I can't like them." Yep, know? yep. There was a there was a band with a guy named Fergal Sharkey, in, and their name it escapes me. But they were basically a uh, a sort of pop punkish kind of band, a teenage kicks. the song? Yeah. Teenage kicks go through the yeah. Name. Um, do you remember the name of the band? Yeah, I'll come to me in a second. Anyway, John was a big uh, kind of supporter then, so it sort of shows that the way that he thought wasn't it wasn't pigeonholed. You know, it was yeah. uh, there was the undertones. Was undertones. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Undertones. Great. Well done. Um, yeah. So John was very broad mind. You know, he had an open mind, and he consequently was able to bring some great stuff to other people's ears you know yes uh, he, I, I think he introduced Roxy music um, Bob Marley yeah. uh, just about you know tall Jethro tall everybody um, the Ranatorus Rex yeah 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 if uh, you got David Peel's uh, stamp of approval you were pretty much um, on, the, on the way to doing John. something John Peel yep John Peel Wow. Okay. Okay. In fact, you know, when we went to sign our contract with Dandelion Records, we, we went to John's house in London. I come from the Midlands, in, in about 150 miles north of London, from the Black Country, where you know Aussie comes from, and yeah, so, you know, Bonham, Bonzo, you know, um, a lot of a, a lot of people came out of the Midlands. Uh, Good players, uh, ELO, hundreds basically. Uh-huh. Anyway, we came down from the Midlands to sign our contract with John Peel and the Dandelion label. Walked into his house and sitting on the floor, cross-legged, uh, was this guy, and I thought, "God, man, he looks just like Mark Boland," <laughs> and it was. <laughs> wow. So that was Mark wife was sitting next to him she was crocheting or knitting some tank top with, with moons and stars all over it you know like wow. like you did in those days um and it, i mean that was a lovely moment you know because yeah. we'd only heard t- tyrannosaurus rex you know on yeah yep. on peels yep. shows you know, like, great well, to meet up well well yeah he uh yeah he was the guy to go to did i say david peel earlier yeah. Yeah, David. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, David Peel had had that band Lower East Side in New York. That was entirely different than John Peel everybody. No no, no, no similarities. Um so okay, so um after um, um Peter Peter left the band for a bit, right? Yeah. And well, um you, you, you Yeah. You know, involved in the things like TV shows and Top of the Pops and all that sort of stuff, which is yeah, you know, kind of British pop show. You know, he didn't want to go on it, right? Um, felt felt uncomfortable, and so he left for a while. That's when Keith came yeah. played bass, right? Yeah, and uh, so you did one more album at that time, but well, you did one album without him, pretty much, and that was Dark Side of the Moon. 
That's right, yeah. yeah. Uh, Keith produced Dark Side of the Moon, played bass on it, and a guy named John Davis uh -huh. um, played drums. John was in a band called Louis Union, I think. Mm -hmm. Good drummer. Um, of course, I didn't know much about anything at the time. You know, I just wrote all these songs. And, I, you know, I wasn't a particularly good guitar player or anything, but I wrote this album called Dark Side of the Moon. And um, Pink Floyd, obviously, they had an album they had to call Eclipse for about a year and a half. Yeah. You know, when when our album sort of faded out of uh, out of sight, they then took the name Dark Side of the Moon. Right. And um, yeah, you had that title first. Yeah, yeah. I had a song actually called Dark Side yes. of the Moon, which I put on a different album. <laughs> Yeah. It's like sort of contrary or whatever sort of mentality sometimes. I I don't I don't I don't sort of I suppose capitalize on things. I'm far more emotionally involved. Though. Shadow all over 
Biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Right. And then, um... A lot of men... Hate me for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really, they owe you something for that. Um, so Tony Ashton produced your next album, and um, Tony Ashton's a guy who's not really well known in the states, but um, right. he was involved in uh, Ashton Gardner and Dyke, right? Tony was, yeah. Yeah, he was the keyboard player. Yep. Um, and he's he was a big friend of Paul McCartney. Yep. Um, because they were all out in Hamburg, you know, in the, in the 60s. And Tony had a band called, or was in a band called the Remo 4, I think it was. Uh-huh. And so he was playing Hamburg the same time the Beatles were out there. And, you know, and tons of other bands that came through. Um, so you know, Tony's place in history is, uh, is mostly European, I, I would say. Yeah. I would, I don't think he crossed over to the USA. Um, he did have a, a band with John Lord from Deep Purple, Deep Purple. And Ian Pace. Pace, Ashton and Lord. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't know whether that, whether, you know, the Deep Purple influence got him over to the USA. I don't yeah, know. yeah. I know um, I got into Ashton Gardner and Dyke when I found out that George Harrison was on their albums. Um, well, yeah. Yeah. I, because of Tony's, Tony was a friend with the Beatles. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we were, we were recording at a studio called Air Studios in Oxford Circus uh-huh. in London. And this was owned by, it was George Martin and basically the Beatles, I suppose. But George Martin set it up and we walked in the first time into this place to start recording with Tony and we were walking through and on the on the car in the corridor on the right hand side the door was open and there was Paul McCartney oh. you know and it's like wow <laughs> oh my yeah. god you know it's like a well, beetle yeah and uh, and Tony just scooted in there and said hey you you know how you doing you know whatever <laughs> and introduced us and introduced us it was just incredible I just stood there and gaping, you know, yeah. thinking, Incredible. I can't speak, you know. Yeah, and so, um, uh, so uh, Peter came back for that album. 
Peter did, yeah. yeah. He came back. Um, yeah, he wasn't away very long. I think he he kind of had a good conversation with himself and came back. You know? Yeah, yeah. And then Keith left and uh, John left. And I think Keith went over. He started a band called Armageddon. Okay. Um, in in the States, actually. I think he moved over to the States. Okay. And um, that was one and one is one, and that um, that pe- that became a hit for you guys. It was through Europe. It's a big hit. Yeah. Um, yeah, and uh, well, we had a few hits off that album actually.
so everything had changed from you know no uh, no singles on the albums and all that you know. right 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 um, we'd signed with Polydor Records at the time uh, suddenly this song I wrote the song thinking I was writing kind of a, a sort of a fat domino kind of rolling New Orleans feel you know yes. song which is what the basis of it is you know yeah um, and the, I got the you know, the riff on it the, with the slide guitar and all that which you should examine maybe there's a, a little resemblance to a later song by a band called Dire Straits um, called So Far Away From You I think yeah. it's called yep, yep, yep. There's, a, there's a riff in that that's very very much like the earlier riff that I put together <laughs> yeah. I talk about it sometimes with, with uh, Ed Bicknell various people right. but anyway we're all we're all we're all susceptible to influence um, so yeah the, there was that there was a song called Rising Sun which was also hit through Europe mm-hmm. um, and a song called Slip and Slide which is probably my favourite of, of those hit singles because it's basically like a an R&B not modern R&B but old school R&B yeah, um, um, uh, kind of has a Slim Harpo feel to it. Very much, I was yeah. about to say, in the Slim Harpo whole thing, you know. Yeah. You know, what we're saying, I mean, the blues, yep. basically, the is off of um, Are you there? I'm, I'm here, yes. There's a lot of noise on the... Yeah, I just got a little noise coming in. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we had three three hits off that album and, and working with Tony really opened my eyes to production and what you can do in the studio you know it's very different from being live uh, which I think might preempt one of your questions about adding three other guys you know we yeah. added some side yes um, to help us out in a way but it it never Elliot, it just didn't feel the same. You know, there wasn't the same communication. Um, there were great guys, great players, but it never worked like like Harold Evans and I worked as a as a duo. We could do anything, yeah, anything we wanted to do. You know, there was such a great communication between us. Yeah, um, and you know, it was successful, but it, it wasn't at the same time. Right. It wasn't emotionless. Right, yeah, yeah. And um, it was probably the slickest album that you guys did, you know, with, um, I know Rob Townsend was on that album. He was from Family initially, right? That's right, yeah, Rob. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a Family fan. Was a band? Yeah, great band. I mean, I loved that band. Yeah. Um, and I saw them not long ago, actually. Really? They reformed for a few gigs, yeah. They were still... Magnificent. Really, yeah, they were a great, great band, and um, it's another band that never really um, carried over, you know, to America, but um, was very, very, very influential in that whole um, like Dave Edmonds scene, you know. Well, there's a story. Um, it's now in folklore, I suppose, you know. But I was told this um, that when they were out in the USA, uh, Roger. Chapman, who does have a, a little bit of a temper on him, right. something went wrong, and he threw a microphone stand at, at Bill Graham. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah. And I don't think things went much further. Really. Yeah. I really don't know if that's true or not. Yeah. It's a great well, story. I can tell you something. Everybody threw something at Bill Graham at one time. Okay. Yeah, Bill wasn't the um, easiest guy to get along with. Right. We never actually got there. I mean, Medicine Head never played right. um, the USA, unfortunately. Yeah. He, um, you know, there's a lot of stories about Bill Graham being thrown either stuff at or him throwing things at other people. Um, yeah, but, you know, he was he was a genius, too, in his own right. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so um, the last album you did was over at uh, Pete Townsend's Eel Pie Studios, right? Yeah. And Pete, and you went back to the two-man format. That's right. Yeah. Well, Pete had been a since day one, basically. Right. You know, he was influential in getting us started. Um, in fact, when we came down we we to, to London the very first time, we came down... Um, our photography tutor uh-huh. uh, at art school <clears throat> was a friend of guy, some guys named Binder, Edwards and Vaughan who were uh, they made they did I think they did George's bungalow you know they decorated they painted okay. the, the, the dragon yeah. uh, on the ship down New King's Road King's Road and um, they he introduced us to so many people, including a guy named Mike McKinnery, who did the Tommy artwork, you know, the Tommy album. Yes. So the first place we came to in London was a, was in Richmond, to Mike McKinnery's house. And then from there, we went to uh, a downstairs basement apartment and walked down the stairs. And there's Ian McLagan, Ronnie Lane, oh, wow. Kenny Jones, and... Ronnie Wood and Rod Stewart. Yeah. And it was just, you know, I don't think they'd even got together as Rod Stewart's kind of faces. Right. But they, they were together at that point in time. You know, this was wow. about, this was 1969, 1970. Um, so, uh, you know, Pete Townsend was very influential in, in introducing us to so many different people. And yeah. we, we were completely broke after those hits and and everything we were totally broke and um said look go use my place you know uh, use my recording studio it was out in goring on thames uh, okay out of west london and it was in the boathouse uh of this house we used to play in the early days we used to play garden parties there for people you know have all kinds of people Uh just crazy crazy wonderful times Um, yeah so Pete was kind enough to say help us to get back on our feet a little bit you know yes Um, and we hit the road and we played so many gigs and you know we were starting to get back everything back together and we built it all back up again from being in the in the back of the truck you know roadies in the front the next row of seats and then the gear the equipment in the back and we we moved on from that to, you know, separate truck for the gear, and we had a car, and and um, you know, we were just getting somewhere, and we'd got into the lower, lower, like almost uh, the lower forties in the class, and he decided to leave again. Yeah. Unfortunately. 
kind of it was a sad ending but that's the way it happened I don't know what he wanted to do um, but you know you've got to respect everybody's sure um, choices you know yeah so, um, yeah and, and, and really those um, you know we had a great time you know yeah. we really worked very well together and, and it was a very creative uh, I love Pete he's an eccentric creativity kind of I wouldn't. I don't know if he's a genius or not, but he's not far off. He, I don't. Well, he's uh, he's close enough in my book. Yeah, he's, he's wonderful. You know. Yeah. It's very and, difficult for anybody to understand. Yeah, and um, I mean it's great. You, you had so much, um, so so many of the uh, uh, top uh, stars in the UK um, rooting for you guys, and um, it's great because what it kind of means that you're. Like a musician's musician type of a character. I think they just loved us, you know, because yeah. we were eccentric. We were very different from anybody else. Right. And I got to tell you the story actually. When we were down at Pete's boathouse um, in the in the recording studio, there they had a a stage, and uh, the stage had curtains, you know, like a proper theatre stage, and uh, this is where they recorded a lot of the Who. Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Family. It looks a little different for everyone. For some, it's mom and dad. For others, roommates who feel like family. And for others, it's your significant other, their golfing buddies, your children, a high school soccer team starting lineup, and oh look, they're all taking you up on the offer to stay for dinner, really testing the limits of that phrase, the more the merrier. But no matter where you call home, GEICO makes it easy to bundle and save on home and car insurance. Easier than making three frozen pizzas and assorted frozen veggies into a cohesive meal. Uh, back in tracks, you know, before they moved on to another studio to do all the, the rest of the post, you know, whatever. Um, and he, Pete said, look, have a look at this, man. He said, uh, here's the stage. He said, you know, with Keith, we have to, we have to really get him like worked up and excited to, uh, to kind of kick off. Because he's a very emotional guy and very full on emotional drummer you know you can you know from the excitement the yes energy, yes you can hear it so what they used to do pete would count you know two three four and the roadies would pull the curtains open and there was there was moon you know Keith yeah moon, yeah playing the drums <laughs> yeah yeah well he was there ready to play bang yeah um he was an incredible uh, drummer and um you know i saw the who a few times with him and uh, definitely not the same band. I mean, they're great. They are great, but uh, there's never going to be a drummer who could fit his, uh, you know, could fill his spot. Um, Nobody that, like that. Yeah. Now, and, and Zach, Keith Moon bought Zach his uh, his drum kit and taught him to play. You know. Yep. A lot of people think it would have been Ringo. I know. But in fact, it was. Uh, yeah. Keith. And Zach's a great drummer too. Fantastic! I saw him last year. I think it was at Wembley Stadium. 
Wow. Um, and again, you know, just great. But, you know, he would be the first to say in, in deference to his, uh, to his godfather. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. um, so then, um, is there any chance of um, um, you and uh, Peter ever uh, doing anything together? Well, it's, it's, it hasn't appeared to be for a long, long time. But Peter has expressed a sort of interest in doing something uh, with, but he only wants to play a new book with old medicine. Okay. That's all he wants to do. This year's the 50th, believe it or not, Elliot, this year's the 50th anniversary of that album. So it's being released in November, which it was released in November 1970. Wow. Oh. Uh, in November 2020. Wow. Oh. And yeah, so there's a possibility. It's the first time in all that time since he left in, I think it was 1976, that I've ever heard any kind of thought that he might want to uh, to do something again. We'll see. I mean, yeah. I've always had an open mind, and, and the door's always open. You know, that's great. Um, possibility. That'd be perfect, especially for the fiftieth anniversary. And um, so, you you had a, uh, a solo career. You did a couple of solo albums. And um, yeah, yeah, and. Um, there's some great pieces in those solo albums. A lot of that stuff could um, become Medicine Head. You know, they, they they would definitely have that Medicine Head sound to it. But then you got into um, that whole uh, heavy rock thing. You 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 were involved with the Box of Frogs, which um, if anybody out there well, missed, that. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, if the guys out there don't know who Box of Frogs were, it was pretty much um, the Oddbirds. That's right. But prior to that, Elliot, yeah. I joined up with um, the guys from Mother Hoop. Yeah, yeah, I was going to get into that too. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just wanted. That, that yeah. was before. That was before. That was before. Yeah, yeah. That is. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, Ian Hunter left, and uh, Mick Ralphs was gone, and uh, Mick Ronson, and uh, um, you guys carried on the Mother Hoople, uh family, so to speak. Uh, uh, Griffin was in the band Overend. Uh, Morgan Fisher, yeah. the great Morgan Fisher, was in that band, and uh, you and guys. Great guitar player. Yeah, uh, who's great guitar player named Ray Majors. Yes, yes. And they they had actually after after Ian left, they carried on as Mott. Yes. With uh, with a singer named Nigel Benjamin. Right. Um, they I, I don't know what happened. They became disillusioned by it. You know, it didn't didn't do what they wanted it to do. Um, so and Nigel had left, and Morgan Fisher was having dinner at my place um, one evening, and we we've been good friends forever, you know. Um, right. And he was just there having dinner, and the, my phone kept ringing. In those days, we didn't have cell phones. Or anything, yes, good old days. <laughs> it was just two tin cans and a piece of string, yeah, you know, kind yep. of thing. Um, and the phone kept ringing. And it was all, it was for Morgan each time. And he'd put the phone down after he's finished his conversation. And then, you know, about five times, you know. And eventually he said, look, he said, the guys have been calling me all night, um, to see if I'd asked you yet. 
and I said, ask me what, you know, <laughs> what, what do you want to ask me, Rob? And he said, well, we want to know if you'd be interested in, in joining up with us. Do you want to kind of, shall we have a, like a rehearsal, get in a rehearsal room and have a knock around? Yeah. Um, and, you know, I just said, yeah, let's go and see what happens. So, and uh, I don't know who named British Lions. I'm not keen on the name myself, but, uh, we, we formed this band and, and I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was like nothing I'd ever done before, you know? Yep. And, and just incredible. And again. Hello, you lucky people listening to KMEL San Francisco. This is John Fiddler. And Morgan Fisher of British Lions. Warning you that we'll be back soon to help you get into trouble with women. That's the title of our new album, too. Sail from British Lions in London. Have a jolly Merry Christmas, like. And a ripping New Year.
again, those players, you know, Buffin and, and Watsy, God, I mean, they're just an amazing uh, rhythm section. And Morgan's a very special uh, musician. Yes. Um, and Rain Mage is, is like a, he's a bona fide rock guitar god, you know, I mean, he's a, he's a great player. Uh, and he's another one that never got his dues, you know, never. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, I'm going to say this. I don't know if I should be saying this, but um, uh, the British Lions were a heck of a lot better than Mott than that Mott album. Um, it's like you guys pulled it together for, for British Lions. Mott kind of sounded like it was a throw-in just to keep the Mott name alive for for a period. Yeah. But but British I I British think, Lions yeah, was yeah. the real British Lions was the real deal. That was an actual band that set out to. Um, you know, to take over, you know, take over where, uh, of, yeah, after Ian had left, yeah. Well, not even that. I'm not even talking about Mott the Hoople. British Lions was its own entity. It wasn't like a Mott continuation. It was a different entity. And I you guys sounded like you meant business. Well, I think what they realized, and I hope nobody minds me saying this, uh, and including, I know that Morgan doesn't mind, and and obviously what he doesn't mind now because yeah, yeah, yeah. in retrospect they found out they needed somebody to write some songs and that's what I can do you know I've done that all of my life right and I had songs I already had I'd written one more chance to run that was for Peter Alp Evans and myself because it was written as as a kind of thing to Pete come on let's let's have one more chance to run right and right right he left <laughs> so yeah. he didn't have that one more chance to run but it, it was our first single for British Lions and it was pretty well re received you know? yeah um, but I think that's what was needed and I in you know in in, uh, in kind of exchange or almost as a compliment I had this amazing band right and they were just incredible but but uh, but do you know what I mean? Um...
Mott was when when you heard Mott, you were anticipating Mott the Hoople. Yeah. But British Lions, the name changed. Everything was different. It was, um, you know, a fresh start. There was, you know, there shouldn't have been any comparison. And um, it, 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 British yeah, Lions. I was guess a, that's inevitable. Yeah. Yeah, it was inevitable. I, I didn't want to be in Mott. I told him that straight away. Yeah. I said, I've no interest in being in Mott, but if you want to start over, and you got it right, you just hit it straight on the head. Yeah. Um, and they all said, yeah, let's do it, you know. Yep. And you know, we were trying to find a name. I think Watsy wanted to call it Big Ben. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that didn't so, fly. <laughs> <bless it. laughs> um, I think I think it was Buff who came up with uh, British Lions. I I came up with various things, but you know, I didn't come up with anything worthwhile. Uh-huh. Uh, so, you know, we ended up uh, with British Lions. Okay. You know. A lot of people liked it, but a lot of people loved the band, and we we still have so many communications from people. And, uh, yeah, it's just yeah, yeah. And um, uh, two albums came out, right? Yeah, yeah. And they're both uh, uh, both strong albums. They were both heavy duty rockers. And um, when that finally um, ended, that's when Box of Frogs came into the picture. Yeah, a few years later, actually, about two years, three years later, um, I got a call from Jim McCarty. And, you know, I, that would be about 1982, 82-ish. Yeah, 82, 83. Um, and because of my friendship with Keith, Ralph, um, I got to know and met the Yardbirds guys and all that stuff, you know. They were, they wanted to get back on the road, uh, or they wanted to reform Yardbirds. They'd got a kind of a thing going on. Um, and Jim called me up and said, you know, what they were doing. And he said, do you want to come down to Jeff Beck's house and, uh, you know, have a, have a knock, have a play, you know? Um, so we all went up down to Jeff's place and, um, it sort of felt good, you know, it worked, right. worked really well. And, uh, you know, they wanted somebody to write songs, play, play a bit of guitar, you know, play harmonica, um, and all that stuff. So luckily I, I was, I fitted that, I fitted that sort of bill, you know, I fitted that, that place. And, um, then we started to make some demos and stuff and, uh, yeah, it went from there, and right. I went over to the USA. It didn't happen immediately. We got no interest from the UK whatsoever, uh-huh. um, and so I thought, you know, I'm going to get on a plane and go over to to LA, and I did. And I I I'd done some work with a guy named John Carter at Capitol Records, who was a producer. Yes, um, he produced uh, people like the Motels, for example. Right. Um, he was a really nice guy, really cool guy. We very friendly. And I went over, took the tapes over to him, and uh, he just loved it. And I said, "Well, look, you know, if you're that interested, you got to now. You got to take me to the boss, and let's see what they think." You know. So they had a list. And they, they all said, "Wow, we we love this." And um, I said, "Well, here's the number. Call the UK." You know. Yeah. Um, 
and they did. Um, and I'm trying to think who our manager was at the time. He managed Jeff Beck. Um, had a great relationship with American record companies, etc. Oh, not, not, not Any, it wasn't Basile, was it? Wasn't what? Oh, oh, Jim Basile? No. No, okay. I didn't think so. He was earlier. Okay. I can see his face, but I can't remember his name. I, it might come to me. Um, anyway, they did call him, and um, Ernest Chapman. Ernest Chapman was okay. his name. Okay, Ernest Chapman. So they called Ernest, and uh, they came up with something. They made, uh, I think Ernest told them what he wanted. I think it was, they sort of scratched their heads and turned it down. So um, he then went off to other companies, and uh, we ended up at Epic Records in New York. And they did a, a, Elliot, they did the best job in the world. I mean, they were just incredible. Yeah. We had. We had the number one rock track on Billboard, you know, um, Billboard Airplay. This is not sales. Right. Uh, they promoted this thing. We had the number one rock track, number one rock album, heavy rotation MTV, um, and we were in the top 50, I think it was, uh, right. with a bullet. Again, yep. You know. yep, yep. And Epic was screaming at us to go on tour, and the guys said, no. <laughs> yeah, I know, yeah, yeah. And actually, Jeff Beck was going to tour with you. Oh, we had, I mean, I pulled in um, some great people. An old friend of mine named Rory Gallagher. Yeah, an old friend. You know. Yeah. Um, he played on this album. Jeff obviously played on Earl, Earl Slick. Earl Slick played on that album, who had, uh, the oil. Who had traction the oil. From, you know, from working with Bowie at the time. Um, I know. Well, we met. Met up with him in the studio. Yeah. And well, you want to just come and play on this? And he's yeah, you know, let's do it. So he he um, he played on. It, it never hit the album, I don't think. It just uh -huh. was, uh, was on. Was 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 Max Middleton going to tour with you too? Yeah. Yeah. So, was, uh, yeah. Yeah. So so yeah, I mean, great. you had the best of both worlds. You had the best of the Yardbirds. You had the best of the uh, Jeff Beck group. You had you on board. You wrote all the, you know, you were um, involved with um, writing just about. I think you did every song on that album, right? Yeah. And and you sang lead on everything. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't. That was like a. That was like a super group without, you know. I think they felt they were losing control. You know, oh yeah. Because okay. I think they. Felt I was taken over. Yeah. And I, I, in a way, I was, but it was only because of what I just naturally do. And not only that, no. nobody there was capable of doing it, you know. I mean, they needed somebody to kind of lead the, the band.
Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage egg and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Cloud is powering tomorrow's transformative missions. Federal agencies are partnering with SAIC to help them meet these critical moments. Where bold moves require confident blueprints. Where you can accelerate transformation through consistency. Where you can innovate forward and never look back. SAIC quickly and securely migrates large-scale workloads to the cloud with the confidence you need to assure your mission. Learn more at SAIC.com slash cloud. Well, we needed, you know, to be fair to them, we needed each other. Right. We did need, need each other. A band is a band. It's, no, it's no, no, no. Not, not that you didn't need uh, them, but, um, you know, Keith Relf was obviously the Yardbirds leader. And they needed yeah. that. They needed that figurehead. I, I, in my personal, you know, opinion, anyway, they needed that figurehead yeah. to um, kind of take the band out. And um, yeah, I, I didn't know about you know the, the backstory, but that would have been a, um, a, an incredible tour. It would have started rehearsing. You know, we did rehearse. We were putting together something very special. You know? Right, right. Um, guys decided. I don't know why they. I think they uh, maybe they felt too old, or I don't know what, but yeah. uh, they or they were losing control. Uh-huh. Uh, and Paul said right from the start that he didn't want to tour. Right. Um, you know, so it meant that we'd have to find another bass player. Paul right. was, you know, he's very busy with it with his productions and everything. You know, uh-huh. uh, and he's a really cool guy. And you know, at least he said straight away, "Bang, I don't want to go." Right. Um, and he'd left the Yardbirds, if you remember, because he didn't want to tour. Yes, anymore. he did. Yep. But it was perfectly understandable. Um, and so, anyway, there you go. It, it, it was a shame because it was such a great opportunity to get out there and bring some British rock and roll to, you know, out to the people, which is yeah. what I always want to do. You yep. know, it's just, yep. uh, it's the way it is, you know, just yep. share what you can do with other people and, and get their feedback and feedback to them, you know. Yes. I, I love being with a crowd, you know, it's just... And and, and, then the se- and then the second album came out, Strange Land. Yeah. Which was a I le- great I, album, I le- too. Yeah. I, I, we had some disagreements on it because I didn't like the way that was going there's only a few songs on it that I like uh-huh. and then there were songs like average and all that which is sure. in my opinion less than average you know yeah um, and uh, we were recording down at a place called Ridge Farm um, out in out of London south of London yeah. uh, and we were doing music. that's where we recorded a lot of the other the first one right. um, and uh yeah, I mean, it, the whole thing had changed. It was more of a, of a, a project, you know. Yeah, something you had to do. No yeah. longer a band. And it just didn't work. The songs weren't, you know, they didn't, you know, it was a different attitude to songwriting. So Right. Well, um, they, they did most of the writing on that one, the old Yardbirds. Well, we all wrote on it, but, you yeah. know, I, because we have, 
we had a, an agreement where everything's, you know, equal shares. Okay. So we have a, a 25% each, right. no matter what you do, you write anything or okay. not. And, and, on, and on that album, you did all the lead vocals except um, a handful. Graham no. Parker came in. Were you gone from the band when Parker came in? Yeah, I, I, I couldn't. I couldn't carry on with it because I didn't yeah. like the, the what they were doing. It yeah. just didn't didn't make any sense to me. We had a great a great first album, which is great rock and roll songs. Yes, should have gone out played live, right? And that they would have been incredible. Um, and this other thing became a project, and yeah, frankly, that just wasn't very good. Yeah, it it, um, it kind of looked it, like they were auditioning singers. I mean, they had um, Ian Dury come in for a tune. Um, oh, no, Roger Chapman. Ian, by the way, I, I'm not saying terrible about it. Ian, yeah, I love Ian. You know, we've done a lot of gigs together. Yes, um, but I'm saying that the the whole attitude changed and destroyed the the uh, the band really because it was no longer a band; it was a project. Right. And I was sitting with Jeff, who had been invited to play on the new album, and Jeff came sat down by me and, and said, "John, I heard that you." You're not involved anymore, and I said, "Yeah, that's right." They said, "Thank God, let's go down the pub." Well, wow. so you know, we, he said, "I don't want to play on it," yeah. and he knew the same as I. You know, we just had that. We knew, and it, I, I'm not knocking the guys at all. What I'm saying is, it just became a project. It was no longer right. a rock and roll band, uh -huh. um, and uh, you know, Epic Records received that album. I don't even know whether they put it out, you know, themselves. They dropped the whole thing like yeah. like a rock, you know, because they knew. Everyone about it knew, and it was so sad because it was a great, wonderful, wonderful first album and a great opportunity for those guys to get back, Yeah, you know, because they'd been languishing around, wanting to play, and but not finding a way to do it, and they deserved a, a, a good place, you know. Yeah, they did. Yeah, and that's what what I hoped that we could get back together for. And, and um, well, it seemed like that. Yeah, and uh, it's really a shame because a lot of potential in that band. Um, and then that eventually led to the project that became the Yardbirds when you when you. Um, uh, the actual yeah. you can go out on, as the Yardbirds again, right? I know it's. I don't know. I mean, I would see. I asked them to change the name from the Yardbirds. Right. I, I said, out of everybody knows the Yardbirds. Yes. And I said, out of respect for Keith, I would like you to consider. Just cons I didn't say you've got to change the name. I said, just con consider, out of respect for Keith, changing the name of the band. Right. Um, everybody knows you're the Yardbirds and so it won't matter really what name it is but the Yardbirds to me was Keith Ralph plus you guys and whichever guitar player was in at the time yep. you know but it was that's what the Yardbirds meant to me right. Keith and these guys yep um, and uh, they went away and had a, th a think about it and they agreed you know so I didn't force them into doing anything I just put that suggestion there um, because that makes sense to me, you know. Keith was the Yardbirds, right? And the Yardbirds was Keith. Um, so that's how I felt about it. And and you know, they did put various versions of the Yardbirds 
there's a there's a version now, I do believe. Yeah, there is. Um, Jim and I, you know, we're still in touch with each other, and um, you know, we're still pals. You know, still friends. Um, but we know what happened. He knows what happened at that time, and I think he he may well sort of, you know, wish he thought a bit more about it at the time because you know, we had Ernest Chapman, the three guys, Keith. Uh, sorry, not Keith. Bless him. Um, Paul, Chris, and Jim, and me. Right. That was five people. And anything we did, we had a kind of democratic vote. And the uh, the touring part of it was Ernest and myself were definite. You know, we want to get out on the road. Right. Uh, Jim kind of was on the on the fence a little bit. You know, and then eventually he dropped down. And uh, you know, the three guys decided against it. Think you may, yeah, maybe yeah. she's, you know. So, um, um, so they're out there playing. So then, uh, this last Yardbirds project, um, you weren't involved with that. Uh, Kenny Aronson um, is in that band, and um, I, I know Tom, I like uh, Tom Guerra, like Kenny, yeah, Kenny and uh, Tom are writing. Tom Guerra were writing a lot of music, and I guess that project right. fell through too, right? I don't know. Um, they, I saw them in Phoenix, Arizona, because I, I used to live there. Uh-huh. Um, and they were coming through. They played at uh, at the casino, one of the casinos. Yeah. And so I went along to see them. And Kenny was playing bass, um, and I think the Johnny A yeah. on guitar. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and John Iden. Right, John Iden who, was in the band. Yeah, John. Detroit John, I think they call yeah, him sometimes, yeah, a lovely yeah, guy. Yeah. Gorgeous guys. But it's, def- good friend. it's definitely not the Yardbirds. Well, it's, I mean, the, the longest serving one person, I think, is the longest serving Yardbird is John Iden. Yeah. Um, apart from Jim McCarty, obviously, and Chris yeah, Andrea. Yeah, but Chris, yeah, yeah. Chris doesn't tour anymore because he's not well. You right, know, right, right. Badly. Um, but, yeah, I, I didn't feel the Yardbirds there myself, but you yeah. know it's, it's not my place because um, you know it's what they want to do that's important. And right, right. I love the fact that Jim's still out there playing. Yes. You know, I just wish he would have done it with, with Box of Frogs. Right, right. You know? um, yeah. Well, I spoke. <laughs> I, I told you I spoke to Tom Guerra this week, and um, he yeah. was um, brought on board to um, write with um, Kenny Aronson. They're going to be doing yeah. a whole new Yardbirds project, and at the last minute, um, they were told it's being scrapped. Don't um, don't continue. Okay. I so, didn't realize that. I yeah. knew that Kenny. I knew Kenny and Tom were writing for Tom's albums. Yeah. Uh, so well, I knew they those two were working together. I didn't realize they were doing anything for the Yardbirds, but yeah, I know, think what happened I mean, was all the songs that wound up on Tom's album were supposed to be Yardbirds tunes. Uh, okay. Yeah. I think that's how yeah. that went down, and um, so what? So what, what are the future plans? I know nobody can move any. You know, you, you can't go out on the road now. You can't do anything. But um, uh, let's talk about your new release. You have a special, um, a limited edition single out there now, right? Well, yeah. I mean, some people like CDs. You know, yeah. It, it'll be on all the platforms on the digital platforms on the eighteenth of September. Um, so it, it'll be available as an MP3 or whatever, you know, a download. Yeah, and that's in two um, days. That's this Friday. 
It is. Yeah. It is indeed. Yeah. Uh-huh. Wow. Um, fantastic. But I also thought, you know, I'd do a little um, limited edition uh, CD single of 100, just a run of 100, which are, they're not all gone, but they're getting, it's getting close. It's kind of interesting. Okay. Um, so they're all signed uh, and numbered. So, you know, you've got a, it's like an individual one. There'll never be another one of that. Yes. Um, and, and that's it, you know. Uh, so I thought I would do that and do various various limited editions of things, you know. Okay. And so let, me, just, let me talk.
tell everybody how they could get it before they run out. Um, it's um, medicineheadrocks forward slash store. So just go to medicineheadrocks, medicineheadrocks, and uh, you better get your copy soon. Um, John, will you put away uh, one for me, please? I will, Elliot. Yeah, yeah. I'll make one for me. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I'll, I'll put my order in later because I definitely want one up on my studio wall. And um, I heard the I heard the tune. I heard parts of it. It's incredible. And I'm gonna I'll be playing it later. And during the, you know I'm gonna uh, at the end of the show I'll be adding it to the end of the piece so you guys will be able to hear it too. And um, there's a little video on on the website. Yes. Video when you, when you click on. And so get um, so get 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 your butts over to Medicine Head. Dot rocks and uh, check it out. It's an, it's an incredible, incredible tune. It's a the guy playing guitar on this is a, a friend of mine named Dave Bucket Colwell, um, who I don't know whether you know of him. He was when Mick Ralphs left uh, Bad Company. Uh-huh. Uh Dave was the guitar player. He became he was with you know with them, Paul Rogers and Simon um, for. I don't know, about 15 years, I think, uh, uh-huh. playing guitar with Bad Company. Uh, you know, and I think Paul was in and out. Sometimes he was there, sometimes he wasn't. So, right. uh, anyway, Dave's a great player, great, 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 great guitar player. And, um, yeah. Very, um, I want to ask you job. about something. You actually did something with, um, George Clinton? No. No. I know of. <laughs> no. Okay. I thought I heard that I mean, somewhere. No, what's going on that would be? I tell you. No, okay, okay. I thought um, I thought that you were involved with something, George, because I would say that's pretty uh, definitely out of your um, uh, you know um, yeah. genre of music. It definitely didn't make sense. <laughs> but some of you told me that they heard that you did something with George. Okay. And uh, do you know who I spoke He's to yesterday? Listening. I spoke to um, Pete Sears yesterday. Right. And uh, Pete um, said he ran into you a lot uh, in the old days in England, and he wants me to send his regards to you. And, um, you know, Pete uh, is over in the States now. He's doing a lot of work here. But he's uh, you know, he's from the U.K. initially, and he was in uh, Son of Fred and some of those older uh, British bands. And he said that you guys used to run into each other a lot back in the day. And he just wanted me to say well, hi real quick. Um, well, that's... Yeah. So, 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 what are the plans once this um, uh, pandemic is lifted? Are you going to? Uh, are, are you planning on on maybe doing a, a road thing or? Well, yeah. I, what I've been doing mainly is um, solo gigs. Right. Um, just acoustic gigs, me on my own. Um, I, I like so many other people my age. I ran into some health issues, so I've, I've been putting the wheels back on the wagon. You know. It's yeah. That. As that's concerned. Um, so I didn't, I wasn't out on the road very much. As I recovered, I was putting some shows in and then had another issue. And, you know, then we hit the pandemic. So um, uh, as soon as that's all over, I, there are a few gigs there in the book and uh, they're on the website, you know, right. not .com, but .rocks. Okay. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, I, I am, and also there will be some medicine head dates too. You know, oh, so, cool! Okay, and that would be with a, a kind of cool roster of people. Um, 
medicine head these days is basically me um, but I've got some great players and, and uh, you know good friends who just happen to be great players you know so I'm blessed aren't I yeah you really are um, yeah. can you tell us about any of the uh, special guests that may be popping up well Dave would be there obviously involved you know, he'd, yes. he'd be there there's another great guitar player named Diesel Martin, um, who I think Americans might know him from a band called No Dice. Okay. Um, he's a he's been essentially a, a session guy, but he's a great guitar player. Uh, we've worked together a lot over the years. Um, and there's a, a guy named Andre Shaps who was in Big Audio Dynamite. Okay. With um, yeah, you know, with Mick. Yeah, Mick. Yeah, uh, and you know he feels like coming playing some bass. You know, yeah. <laughs> and I'm not going to say no. Sure. Um, you know, so th- there's some things going on. You know? Cool. And um, you, you're also working with um, Belinda Campbell. Belinda, yeah, yeah, and oh. she's. I mean, she's got a great voice, Belinda. And uh, the the what I. What I've done during the pandemic is I've set up this little record label um, called Living Room Records, and Belinda has her first release in October, and um, you know she's done uh, backing vocals for me on some of the stuff. She's on Warriors of Love mm-hmm. uh, and some other tracks. So I'm putting together an album which will be released in the new year. Uh, so. Um, and we're working on an album for her. So there's a lot of work going on, you know. Uh, yes. Uh, I want to get her out there. She's got a great voice and she, she should be heard. Um, there's another, another girl named Kat Pearson, who's basically a blue singer. You know, she's really steep in the blue. And I've, we've written a song together, um, which it, it could probably be the third or fourth release on Living Room Record. Okay. And it, yeah, it's kind of, you know the the whole feeling I have labeled is retro future philosophy. You know, it's, it's steeped in the past, but it's going to the future. If you know what I mean. Yes, and um, uh, is your stuff going to be on Living Room Records too? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. This, yeah, it's all there. Um, I got a great company who are administrating the whole thing for me. Um, they're called Sing Song Music. Okay. Uh, so singsongmusic.com. Okay. Uh, you'll see they've got a load of other stuff as well, but they're, they're admitting, um, you know, doing all the nuts and bolts of, um, of living room records for me. Cause okay. I, I couldn't possibly do it. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, need, I need someone else to do that. So, and, and, um, any, any chance of the, um, uh, of the older pieces being, um, remastered or, or, or redone for the 50th anniversary? Well, there's a, a company here called Cherry Red Records. Yeah, yeah big company. They're, they're huge. Yeah, they're great. Yeah. Ian McNair owns that company. We've been friends since the 70s. Um, he's a big friend of Morgan Fisher as well. Okay. Um, but we've known each other since the 70s, and they're putting out the 50th anniversary of uh, the, the new bottles, Old Medicine. And I just leased some more tapes to them, some more CDs to them. There's a a, a BBC Radio Sessions uh, album. There's um, a, a song called Don't Stop the Dance 
an album rather called Don't Stop the Dance. Right. Uh, another one, which is a live at the Marquee Club, um, very famous club in London. Yeah. Uh, um, now sadly, now no don't, longer here. Don't Stop the Dance, if I if I um, remember correctly, is going to be like um, uh, the Rarities album, right? That stuff that just never surfaced before. Well, yeah, it, I think it, I think I managed to get it out about three or four years ago. It was, it was in the archives for years. Right. Um, after, after Medicine Head finished. Um, and I, I finished it in, uh, in my studio and, um, and leased it out to a company called Angel Air. I, I got that back. Right. Um, and I've now leased it to Cherry Red Records. Okay. Um, and then on Living Room Records, I've got uh, three albums, I think it is, that are going to be released um, from the old days. Um, solo, they basically started life as solo albums. Uh, there's one called Return of the Buffalo, um, which was later, for some stupid reason, called The Big Buffalo because more tracks were added to it. So uh, <laughs> I don't like this, you know. Yeah, I like the the real title, which is "Return of the Buffalo." Right. So that's how it's going to be released uh, again. Um, okay. And I'm going to put that under the Medicine Head banner. Um, and then there's another album I released about ten years ago. Uh, funnily enough, I was in the states. I was I was doing a uh, an interview for NPR, and every now and again I get called in to do a lot of interviews about the dark side of the moon you know when it's an anniversary of some kind for being yes. Floyd yeah, yeah. I get pulled in to talk about you know my my title which I had way before then you know sure. so it's a, just a nice interesting talking point yeah, yeah. and um, the guy the interviewer asked me whether I was recording a new album and I, uh, and I said yeah I am and he said, have you got a title and I hadn't got a title real title um, but I just threw this out off the top of my head. I kind of I like I'm sort of fairly philosophical sometimes. Well, most of the time. But um, I said, yeah, it's called philosophical. <laughs> yeah. Well. So you know that's what it's called. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and um, I didn't realize that you were living in uh, Phoenix. When did you left Phoenix? How many years ago? I I left uh, about four years ago. Okay, I was, I, there for, I, I was actually uh, running an amphitheater in um, Arizona for a bit. Where? Um, Tempe. Okay. Yeah, I was. I'm in New Mexico. I'm in New Mexico now. So I was. I was kind of bouncing right. up and back from New Mexico to uh, Tempe, and um, I forgot. When was that? I used uh, to live in Tempe. Yeah. Um, well, I actually um, helped build the. Um, uh, of California Angels farm team, uh, Tempe Diablo. Okay. Yeah, I was involved in that project for the company I was working with, and um, I think it's called the Aching or something Pavilion now. Um, the amphitheater. Oh, the uh, the Aching, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the, the yeah. I know. Yeah. So uh, uh, in, I thought that was in out in Phoenix. Yeah, it's right out of Phoenix. It's right in, in there somewhere. It's been years since I've been up there. It used to be the Desert Sky. I'm sorry? The Desert, 
Yeah. Be called the Desert Sky Pavilion. Right. And yeah. I yeah. Think, uh, yeah. So I was I was bouncing in and out of here and there. I was I'm in New Mexico right. now. So um, right. Yeah, you know, the company I was working with used to get me out there a lot, and I'd fill in. And then I spent six months in uh, Tempe doing that um, uh, farm team, uh, the, the, the minor league team, uh, a stadium that they built. And uh, then I came back right. to New Mexico. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I love Tempe. I, I used to live just off rural. Okay. Um, you know, yeah. it's great because, you know, you've got the university right. there. There's a lot of the big buzz around the place. It's great. Yeah, it is. I, I like that. Yeah, I was living in a whole in a in a hotel right near the airport. <laughs> that was my, you know. Elliot. Yeah, yeah, that's where I was. Um, right. So, um, yeah. So let's hope. Any chances of coming across the pond to uh, visit America again? I would love to. Yeah, you know, it's all logistics, and you know, whatever happens, and yeah, you know, the pandemic and. You know who over there? Yeah, I you know, know. I know what I know. happens. Um, yeah. But and you know, I don't. I don't currently have an uh, an agent or a, a manager. So, you know, maybe I'll pick one up and we'll start to do some work together. Um, yeah. We'll just see. And, but I, I would, you know, I love it in the states, and uh, you, know, you love your music over there, and I, I, I love yeah. everything. Because. Ever, ever, because it seems that the um, the trend now is I'm, I'm talking about let's let's just say the pandemic is over and everything else and we're back to semi-normal. Um, the trend is smaller venues, like really really small, um, just you know two three hundred seat uh, uh, rooms that are they're, they're, they're acoustically perfect and um, you know you would be great in, in a room like that just you know uh, yeah, an I acoustic like, I like- yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, fortunately, I, I can come out. I could do, you know, my solo show out there, um, which would be great to yep. do. Uh, yep. yep. That's an ideal kind of amount of people. So, uh, you know, I have to be ready and uh, put the feelers out for promoters and stuff. You know. Well, so. if you're ready to come to the states, let me know. I know a handful of guys that I'm sure would love to do some work well, with you. We should talk now. I mean, they should, if they're interested, yeah. let's talk because okay. uh, I'm definitely interested. Okay, I'll talk and, to you offline you know, and um, it yeah. takes some planning. Yeah, yeah, and and again, um, your stuff would be great in these, um, you know, in the new settings. People know that that the big arenas and things are um, a thing of the past. So well, th- things are getting smaller and smaller, more intimate, and that would be a perfect spot for you. For you. I, I, uh, I would love to hear you in a room like that. This has been a Not Your Mother's Radio production. Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage.
Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage, egg, and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Only Wendy's serves a better breakfast with a better biscuit. Our hot buttery breakfast biscuits are loaded with a fresh cracked egg, cheese, and your choice of bacon or sausage. Did we mention the part where Wendy's biscuits are hot and buttery? Wendy's breakfast biscuits, hot and buttery. So don't take a chance with those other guys. Bet on a better breakfast with Wendy's bacon or sausage, egg, and cheese biscuit. Choose wisely. Choose Wendy's. At participating U.S. Wendy's during breakfast hours. Hope you enjoyed this episode of Fly on the Wall. There are more great interviews to follow so please list us as one of your favorites and be sure to follow. We are listener funded. If you would like to assist our Venmo info is New Mexico DJ service. The PayPal info is New Mexico DJ service at gmail.com. Please remember to share our info. Thanking you all.